If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And when it came spring, I mean, it came in the fall. This is the God's truth. And you'd get in the car, and there's a little frost on the window, turn on the windshield wiper, there'd be an oil slick. Not a joke. I have asthma, and 80% of the people who, in fact, we grew up with have asthma. The first frost, you know what was happening. You had to put on your windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. Eh, asthma, cancer, whatever. Doctor calls me, <laughs> Joe, you have cancer. Oh, what? What? Yes, so I need you to take this inhaler. The inhaler? Yes, for your asthma. You said cancer. Asthma, cancer, whatever. <laughs> so... So that second clip we played the heck out of, so did everybody else last week, and the president announced he had cancer. But so, like happens with his elderly brain, this is a story he's told a million times, but he doesn't get them right anymore. When was that other clip from where he says asthma? Do we know I don't recall. Ago? It was a handful of months ago. But so that's probably the correct story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the extent either one of them's true, and I don't know. But... Him having asthma currently would not be surprising at all. No. H- him announcing he has cancer is, you know, fairly big deal. Makes the headlines, yes. Well, it should have, but it didn't. Why? Because everybody reasonably said, eh, he didn't mean that, probably. They'll, yeah, they'll, miss, they'll straighten that out misspoke later. or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but he doesn't have cancer. Which leads me to this. By the way, coming up, Poisoned by Neighbors, the Jack Armstrong story. And a headline and subheadline from the Washington Post that I didn't understand at any level to show me <laughs> to show me how out of touch I am with the modern world. Um, but this first, this is an opinion piece by a guy named Stephen Eisenberg in the Washington Post. I think um, maybe you don't know who that guy is. I don't think I did. He was the 
chief of staff to uh, Mayor Lindsay in New York, and Lindsay who ran for president as a Democrat in the 80s. But anyway, he's a big operative in Democratic circles, this guy. And he was given a slot to write an opinion piece in the, I think, Washington Post. It was either Washington Post or New York Times. I didn't label it, unfortunately. But those are the only two newspapers I was reading yesterday. So, President Biden, the headline being, quit, Joe, quit. Biden could save the midterms with a one-term pledge. So this is a high-level operator from back in the day in Democratic circles telling Joe Biden to quit and being run in one of the most influential lefty newspapers in America. President Biden should announce now that he will not run for re-election in 2024. He should not ask the Democratic Party or the nation to assume the risk of a second four-year term that would begin after he reached the the age of 82. First and most important, the midterm elections this November would become about key issues in the quality of individual House and Senate candidates rather than the merits of Biden's presidency and whether voters feel he should run again. I hadn't thought of that angle. Actually, I'm on board with that. Um, from a uh, any election that's more about the issues, I'm all, I love that. Sure, but maybe it's the uh, COVID that's got my brain foggy. Um, but how would him announcing make it more about the issues? As uh, like when I'm voting for my local congressman, I don't give a crap if Joe Biden's running or not. I don't feel like I do either. But I've seen so much analysis uh, around how midterm votes go based on a president's approval ratings. I don't know if I buy that or not, because I believe Barack Obama's approval ratings were pretty good, and he got his ass handed to him in the midterms. So what I'm being asked to leap to is that uh, Biden's approval ratings would surge if he were to say, for the good of the country, I'm not running again, uh, and uh, I'll leave it to the younger folks. I don't know if we're assuming they would surge, but I think they'd become irrelevant. His approval ratings would become irrelevant. So it'd be yeah, that's about the part the I issues. don't get, I guess. But. I don't know if I buy that either. Um, he shouldn't run for a second term because he's too old and his brain is gone. But, right. um, but the next paragraph I thought was pretty interesting. And, you know, there's a reason this was run in one of the more influential publications, I think. They wanted to run this. No more self-conscious maneuvering by Biden and his staff, nor whispers and unattributed quotes about what the president should or will do. Once the expense of spirit, dollars, actions, and arguments to keep alive the possibility of a second term is ended, the need for Biden to posture or tactically temporize will be gone, too. So they just want to end the whole conversation and uh, move on, or this guy does. And I wonder how many people he speaks for. I think we're going to find out here in a couple of months. Well, I could see if I were a Democrat, I would be thinking, come on, let's just move on to what's next. There's no way the old man is running, and everybody knows it. And I don't know that I buy his analysis like you were questioning. I don't. I can't imagine ever going to vote in a midterm for somebody basing it on the president. But uh, more importantly than that, I think the... It, it, Amer- if Joe Biden announces he's not running today, do you think America immediately turns to the issues before us for the midterms? Or is the only conversation in the country, especially for Democrats, who's our nominee going to be then? Uh, that one. Right. <laughs> and it's self-evident. <laughs> yeah, I think. The old man who, who, who advised the great John Lindsay, is it possible he's just a crackpot? Well... Somebody thought he was important enough to run in the newspaper, but uh, it was it was the highest profile piece I've seen from somebody in the Democratic Party saying Joe don't run. Um, on the other side of the aisle, Trump was at a rally in Arizona yesterday. So was Pence, who traveled to Arizona for Different some reason. Rally. 
yeah. a different rally to support a different candidate. So Trump is supporting the TV anchor woman who used to be a Democrat but is now Trumpy. Lifelong Democrat voter and donor who's now decided Trumpy is the way to go. Yeah. And Pence shows up for the other person in the same state in Arizona. That's, you know, obviously on purpose. So Pence is completely broken with Trump. I don't know what that means. And Trump talking about running or not uh, yesterday at the rally. And so there's some belief that if he runs... The Biden administration would, you know, in theory, the Justice Department operates independently and doesn't care what the president thinks. I, I think that's usually true, and I hope it's true now. But uh, the Biden White House, I think, wouldn't want the Justice Department to prosecute Trump if Trump announces, because you really got a banana republic look, go, look going if the current president is trying to criminally prosecute the guy he beat in the last election who's running against him again. It's a little Pakistani, yes. It looks bad. Yeah, yeah. Troubled times. So, so what? So that ends up with then. So we've got three scenarios rather than the two we thought we had. Trump either runs or doesn't run. The third one being he runs, but he's not really running because he wants to win. He's running because he thinks it'll keep him from being prosecuted, <laughs> which is a different kind oh of running, gosh. isn't it? I would say, yeah. Yeah, you know, let's not let let's not let this segment pass without pointing out that this the chicken in Arizona, Carrie Lake, is a fake and a con woman and a charlatan who just thought, you know, if I echo all the Trumpiest Trump stuff, those stupid Trump voters will just vote for me. I I can fool them. I'm a TV anchor woman. I can assume any character I want. She is a con man woman. She appears to be fully a woman. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she is. I was wanting to grab, I thought this would be a good place to play that Adam Kinjager. Oh, and by the way, I wasn't I wasn't uh, attempting to say from the point of view of me, Joe Getty, riddled with COVID, that I think Trump voters are dopey. That's what she thinks. She no, thinks they're easily duped. I think Trump thinks that no, about his I own think There's voters. some truth to that, yes. He could do anything, including shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, which would make him a cold-blooded murderer, by the way, and they'd still be with him. Which clip is the King Kinsinger clip? You have it? the where, where he's talking about your leaders are lying to you? Go ahead and play that, Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, particularly my Republican friends, your leaders, by and large, have been lying to you. They know stuff that's very different than what they're telling you. They know the election wasn't stolen, but they're going to send out fundraising requests. They're going to take your money from you, and they're going to use you to stay in power. You are being abused. You can be mad at Liz Cheney and I. That's fine. We've been taking this for a while. We're not the ones lying to you. It's the people you think are telling you what you want to hear. They're the liars, and Kevin McCarthy is among them. And I don't know if you believe him or not, but a point being made on some of the talk shows yesterday that almost all of the most damaging stuff in the January 6th hearings, you know, you can be unhappy with the way they're run and not enough Republican representative and all the different stuff, but all of, almost all of the most damaging stuff came out of the mouths of Trump loyalists, not Adam Schiff, not Democrats, not turncoat Republicans or whatever, the people that attached their entire career star to Trump, they're the ones that gave you the most damaging Trump testimony. I I don't know how you get around that. 
You know what we really need right now on the right side of the aisle is a giant nationally televised come to Jesus meeting where we all discuss what various people mean by a rigged election as opposed to an election that was tainted by massive fraud. Because a lot of people, when they talk about a rigged election, are talking about big tech uh, perverting search results and contributions and email and and also um, uh, the the Democrats attempting to make the ballot process so loose all sorts of hijinks could take place and you would never know it. There are a bunch of ways that the election or the media bias, the constant media bias. That's what a lot of people mean by rigged. They don't mean there were 60,000 votes shuttled into Georgia at midnight. A lot of people do believe that garbage, but it's garbage. Um, and, and we need to all come together and say, all right, this appears to be credible. This isn't. You people who think that the establishment rigged the election, quote-unquote, against Trump, you got a lot of truth on your side. You, you're making a pretty good point. Now, those who still cling to those idiotic fantasies about the the, the voting machine company or whatever, I mean, y'all got to go off and enjoy your fever dreams uh, with with each other. But the idea that the great mass of the establishment joined together to defeat Trump, well, that's true. But we've got to come together and, and understand what terms each other are using. Well, it would be easier if Trump didn't still make some of the most explosive claims at the podium, including yesterday, about various things that then his own people did not argue in court. Right. Because they couldn't. They would end up in jail. Right. I still think, you know, it's too late now, I think, but if if Trump had decided, okay, I lost, now I'm going to talk about, remember how great the economy was when I was president? If he would have only done that, he would get elected again. Oh, yeah. If he were to say, you know, there are times I was too brash, I was too loud. You know, I've learned from that. He, please, he'd win in a landslide. He really But would. he can't, and he won't. I don't know why he can't, but he can't. Um, our text line, always open, uh, 415-295-KFTC. Coming up, we've talked about this a little bit, gotten a lot of texts. Pretty explosive mental health headline over the weekend that got a lot of attention. Depression is not a chemical imbalance. It is not a serotonin problem. And if it's not a serotonin problem, how do you have... One in six Brits, and I think it's one in eight Americans on some sort of SSRI that's designed specifically to deal with your serotonin problem. And many of them report that it helps, right? And many people report that it helps, yes. But it doesn't address what it says it addresses. (laughs) Right. I am confused. It is confusing. So are we talking about that later? Oh, okay. That was a I tease. Misunderstood. That's what I was trying. Did you to. have a teacher thing you said you were going to do? I did. Yeah, I took that seriously. I took you at your word. Okay. Teachers forced to do even more under policy opposed to bad grades in the Washington Post yesterday, written by their education reporter. I thought this was really interesting. Uh, their education reporter, who said, many teachers have been emailing me on an issue I've been writing about. 
the move in many states and districts to cut back on homework and reduce penalties for not doing assignments. So far, I've been persuaded by teachers who think that is bad. They say such changes make it more difficult to motivate students to learn. Really? Yeah, (laughs) duh. One educator recently provided me much detail on how the changes in homework and grading are affecting his work. He spoke to me on the condition of anonymity so he could speak frankly without fear of retaliation by his district. you got to love that, don't you? Wow. You have to secretly email the reporter for a newspaper because if you said it out loud, you'd be ostracized by the teachers union and everybody else. Ideological lockstep is required. It's a high school teacher in one of the largest and best performing school districts in the country. Guy who's been teaching for more than 20 years. The district has told teachers they may give a zero for an assignment that is not done if they can document their efforts to contact the parent about the problem. Otherwise, teachers have to follow the district's rule, which is part of a nationwide grading reform. This is nationwide. That even a totally missed assignment can be scored no lower than 50%. Wow. And the teacher said... Because you can give a zero, but you have to document that you tried to contact the parents and rectify the situation. And and the teacher said, if I have 140 students, that seems like a lot, but, well, you get... Well, if it's a science teacher, for instance, who has four periods, yeah. If I have 140 students and 20 of them do not complete an assignment, a realistic number, uh, from my experience, then I have to email those 20 parents about that assignment. If I don't hear back, I have to email them again. I have to document this effort, and then only then can I assign a zero. This takes time, at least 40 minutes if I have 20 students to follow up on, and I'm assuming a very efficient two minutes per call. That's 40 less minutes for me to plan a lesson, grade papers, follow up with other bureaucratic tasks. He mentioned duties ranging from individualized education programs, that's an IEP, which I actually have, reports for students needing specialized instruction, to blah, blah, blah. I could work well beyond my duty day and do everything, but there is a point where my personal health and family need to take priority. So like many other teachers, I choose a path of least resistance and just give a 50% on a, stu- on a paper that didn't get turned in at all. The school system will tout their high graduation rates as proof that their policies are turning out educated people into the world equipped to handle the 21st century, and that would be a lie. Wow, it's the opposite. This is the, from the L Education columnist for the Washington Post. Well, we all know life's like that. You put out zero effort, you get 50% credit. No, it's not. Not in any walk of life. They also use the example of kids on the higher end where, um, like, you know, you might be on the bubble between an A and a B or whatever, and you know you get a 50 for not doing anything, which is enough to give you the number of points for the rest of the semester, or it's it's either not going to push you down into a B or move you up into an A or whatever, so you just right. don't care. Right. So you don't turn it in at all. Removes effort at both ends. Yep. yep. And How everybody's like known that. Everybody, but, you know, recently graduated College of Education woke progressive. Are you on Wellbutrin or Prozac or Lexapro or any of those SSRIs? Hmm. You should hear this story. It's pretty darn interesting. Coming up. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, hey! You snatched the whole hose out! You snatched the whole hose out! No, I didn't because it wouldn't give me any gas. So if I just took Well, that's what was dragging. I mean, it wouldn't work. So I was going to another one. Well, I mean, you have to take the pump hose out to leave. Oh, I know. Yes, ma'am, I need your insurance information. Huh? Your insurance information? Oh, come on. Really? Do you know how much this costs to replace? The thing was broken. It was not broken, ma'am. Oh, it's broken now, but it's not broken. Like two grand. What? To have the people come out and fix it. I got your tag, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> so you're wow. probably wondering what the heck's going on there. It's a woman driving away from the gas pump with the hose still in her car. Pulled it off. Uh. A lot of, I haven't done that, but I know people who have. I've almost done it a few times. The person who runs a gas station there saying it costs $2,000 to fix, that seems awful high, but what do I know? Got your your tag, dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. The lady saying, no, I'm not giving you my insurance info. I'm out. Well, even if it was broken, you don't get to drive off within your tank. Uh, And before I get to the story, one text, apropos of nothing, made me laugh out loud. Hunter Gatherer, you're a loser. <laughs> wow, referencing a story from an hour ago. <laughs> that made me laugh. 
That is funny. Do you know what serotonin is? If you got depression, you probably do, because they've been linked my entire adult life. It's a chemical in your brain, and the idea has been for decades now that uh, you got a chemical imbalance if you don't have the right amount of serotonin, and that can lead to depression. So you take an antidepressant, like an SSRI, which stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor, which changes the serotonin levels in your brain, making you feel better. A giant story came out of the weekend saying, nope, that's not what happened is happening here. And uh, that study uh, got a lot of attention and was reprinted all over the place. There's not a chemical imbalance that's causing depression. It is not a serotonin situation that's causing depression. Well, uh, can I jump in just with a skeptic's uh, question? Sure. It's not that chemical imbalance that's causing depression. It could be a different one, right? Uh, I suppose the the headlines were it's not a chemical imbalance that causes depression. I don't know, but um, I suppose it could be a different one. But the drugs you're taking are particularly to deal with that chemical, and right. that's not that chemical is not causing your depression. So after all these years of doctors telling you, well, you got a serotonin imbalance, so uh, you need to take this SSRI, and you take it, and maybe you do feel better, which is the other part of this story. But it ain't because it changed the serotonin in your brain. Uh, it's, you know, it's interesting. So, uh, Vice wanted to push back on the story. The headlines being everywhere, just the sort of the initial findings by this research that it's not a serotonin deficiency that's causing your depression and these drugs are not dealing with that. Um, vice.com, which does a lot of interesting work, was concerned with the way people were running with either implications or statements that, so therefore, these antidepressants, antidepressants are pointless or worthless or whatever. Vice pointing out that the researchers don't say that. They could be worthless, but the researchers don't say that. They don't address that at all. All they figured out was it's not a serotonin thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vice pointing out there are lots of documented studies saying that these SSRIs do work. Why they work is completely different. But anyway, Vice writing media coverage has honed in on the review's findings specifically as they relate to the use of antidepressants. The Daily Mail reported today's landmark findings call into question society's ever-growing reliance on antidepressants like Prozac. The Guardian's subhead was researchers question use of antidepressants. Well, they didn't question the use of it like why does, why, but I don't know that they did. All they said was it ain't about the serotonin. Um, prescribed to one in six UK adults. Wow. That is one depressed country. In America, it's about 14%. Or in a one summary of, over-medicated country. In a summary for of the work for the conversation, two of the paper's authors wrote, if antidepressants exert their effects as placebos or by numbing emotions, which they do, then it's not clear that they do more good than harm. I don't know if you can make that statement. Um, well, it's not clear. There's a question. There is the question of if you found out it's not like rebalancing my serotonin, it's just numbing me out. There is the possibility that some people would say, well, I don't want that. Well, and we've heard more than once that it increases suicidal ideation, suicide, and a lot of the school shooters are on these things, and numbing your emotions would make sense. I mean, that fits. Yeah. So uh, it gets. It, uh, I'm trying to decide if I want to go to text first or just just one more thought. It, it occurred to me that 
uh, these drugs might not be rectifying a deficiency in serotonin. They might be giving you an excess of it, which has a neurological effect to mask depression. I don't, I don't know. Vice writing, still they asserted that patients have been told by doctors that antidepressants work by correcting an underlying chemical imbalance in the same way as insulin treats diabetes. Our paper finds that this is not supported by evidence. They asked, if they are not rectifying an underlying chemical deficiency, then this brings up the question of what are they actually doing? They suggested the placebo effect, as I mentioned, or emotional numbing, as I mentioned, of uh, antidepressants, which may explain why it helps some people overcome a low mood. And again, some people might want the drugs that numb emotions, but some may not. Uh, And we got a couple of texts about that. I'm an LMFT, licensed marriage family therapist. And have taught psychopharmacology in grad school and used to say that antidepressant work like poiling, pouring oil over all over a car engine and hoping that some of it goes in the right place. That might be kind of what you were just talking about. We have never really known how they work. Most research studies, put in quotes, filter out participants so that they get a very specific population to eliminate variables but the reality is most people are complex and have complex issues going on no doubt about that and nobody is asking a bigger question what are you eating 90 percent of our serotonin receptors reside in our gut but most don't want to change uh want to change what they eat okay so there's one aspect the what are you eating thing um i mentioned earlier and this is just a fact that uh, you can get on these things super easy. You go to your doctor and say you've been feeling depressed lately. My experience is, and several family members' experience is, they would immediately prescribe you one of these antidepressants without getting into any conversation, because they're not trained to do this. It's not their fault. But without any conversation of, you know, what is, what is going on in your life? Have you just had a spouse die or a child that's sick or gone through a divorce or lost your job or had your house repossessed? All things that could make you really sad. Or, and I don't know how a doctor would ever deal with this, how's your danged attitude? Do you tend to blame the world for all your problems when it's really your bad decisions that have gotten you in this situation? That can make you pretty sad, too. And I don't think it's got anything to do with serotonin. Yeah, I remember back in 2015, one of the articles that made more of an impression on me than, than well, than few others in my entire life by uh, Jonathan Haidt and uh, Greg Lukianoff was about how trigger warnings are teaching our, our kids mental illness. The idea that the slightest offense should cause you to go to your knees, it should devastate you, that uh, you should always assume that people out are out to hurt you, uh, among some other uh, examples. And I actually just found it. I could go through them at some point, but... Um, and they go into cognitive behavioral therapy. And I wanted desperately for one of my kids to get more of that as opposed to what the psychiatrist would always do and say, yeah, 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 okay, take these pills. I mean, you just could not get this guy interested in uh, the talking cure, as it's been called. Let's talk about how you're thinking about things. How do you interpret events? How do you interpret what's going on around you? And can we come up with more positive ways to interpret them? They just didn't give a crap. They just wanted to give out pills. Yeah, I have been uh, um, a lot of lot of like really sad periods since uh, my divorce started, and I had a wise friend said say to me as I was discussing this sort of sadness and discomfort, saying, "Don't pathologize grief," which is a pretty good phrase. Yeah, 
Don't pathologize grief. Or, I, I've been dumped a number of times in my life. Uh, you know, I'm old enough that several of the times I was dumped was long before everybody turned to antidepressants right away. But I guarantee I could have gone to my doctor and said, I've been really sad for the last 90 days. You know, and no, nothing is enjoyable anymore. I don't like work. I don't watch sports. Yeah, because my girlfriend dumped me. and I can't snap out of it. And every human being on Earth, if you know you read Shakespeare or ancient Chinese texts or whatever, has gone through that with emotional heartbreak. And is that something that you should drug yourself out of? I don't know. I don't actually know the answer to that. Maybe it masks. Well, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that that's a, that's a good idea. Note to self, read more ancient Chinese texts. I rarely get that perspective. And it's on me. Um, so, uh, Adam Carolla's opinion on Gavin Newsom, if you haven't heard this coming up, it's, it's priceless. Gavin Newsom, who is going to be running for president. Now, whether it gets to the announced on a debate stage, whatever, I mean, he's already running. He's running the ads in Texas and Florida. He's putting himself as the anti-DeSantis, the anti-Greg Abbott. He is positioning himself to run. He's raising money. Uh, so he's already running. But uh, what Corolla thinks of him is fabulous. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Back to the... SSRIs and what they do, they're a drug your doctor gave to you to do a specific thing, and the latest research says that's not what's helping you. So I think that is a significant story. But if you've got any comment on any of that, you can text us, 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC, and there is some belief that this opens up the can of worms of have we gone way too far down the road of medication as opposed to you know, how's your attitude or how are you dealing with this or you're supposed to be sad, something bad just happened or any of that sort of stuff, which would be a pretty radical change in the way we look at things in America. Well, you know, I uh, I can't believe I haven't uh, come up with this until now. Is somebody making money that, by prescribing that. these pills by the millions and millions and millions? Uh-huh. Boy, and if you, unfortunately, for you or a family member, have had to go go down the mental health route, it is striking how the pill doctors, the psychiatrists, who I've known many nice ones, their only thing is which pill is the right one. And the therapists, a lot of them are, no, 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 pills are a bad idea. You don't fix things with pills. You fix things by, let's look at the root problem. Maybe you're just disappointed with your childhood or whatever. So, so I mean, that's two completely different ways of handling it. Great childhood. I'm disappointed with my adulthood, just as long as we're, you know, being open here. Anyway, so if you got any comment on that, text line 415-295-KFTC. That's a funny line. I'm going to start using that anytime I'm ever around a therapist. How was your childhood? Childhood was fine. Adulthood, not so good. <laughs> anyway, stay with us. All that stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. 
In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I, I had him on, on my podcast a few years ago. I grilled him for an hour. He couldn't escape. He's an imbecile and he's a sociopath. Like there's something wrong with him. He doesn't think clearly. That is Adam Carolla talking about interviewing Gavin Newsom, governor of California, who is cleverly, I think, trying to set himself up as a binary choice against Ron DeSantis or maybe Greg Greg Abbott, but as the clear Democratic choice against whatever Republican candidate there is for president by running ads in Texas and Florida. But Adam Carolla saying he's an imbecile and a psychopath or sociopath? Sociopath. What the hell is going on? By the way, a quick aside, uh, the New York Times was trying to tell me over the weekend that uh, Greg Abbott's in trouble in Texas because of a combination of the hot weather causing power grid problems and something or other oh, shootings and that uh, Beto O'Rourke is closing Beto? the gap. Yeah, yeah Beto, no, can you imagine? Democrats of Texas, seriously, believe what you want to believe, vote how you want to vote, but Beto, really? Anyway, getting back to the thread of the thing, which is creepy, creepy Gavin Newsom of Cal Unicornia, uh, Mr. Corolla rolls on. He has a crazy hubris. There is literally something wrong with him. He is like, <laughs> he's a quarterback that goes 3-13 and 13 every year, and he's talking about himself as entering the Hall of Fame and being better than Tom Brady. There's really something wrong with him. You have to interview him. You have to get him in the same room. You guys see little sound bites and clips and bits and pieces, and he seems insane. But get in a room with him, and you'll realize he doesn't function. His brain doesn't function. There's literally something wrong with him. It's not just he has bad policies. He does have bad policies. But he 
there is something wrong with his head. You guys can listen, go to YouTube, find it. I grill him for 45 minutes. You will see that he's functional. He has a functional problem. I've actually seen a fair chunk of that interview, and, uh, it, it, uh, you know, I, I thought it was more that Corolla confronted him with the truth, and the truth was highly inconvenient, so Gavin acted as if, you know, the truth wasn't there, or he didn't understand, or he pivoted to something else. It just seemed evasive, but I wasn't in the room with the guy. Yeah, I uh, imbeciles too hard, because I'm not sure an imbecile can uh, wipe themselves after they poo. Uh, technically speaking, and I assume he can. Um, his hair is pretty slick. Uh, so, I mean, you know, he pretty, seems pretty well groomed to me. Um, there was some sort of terrible tie in there. Go on, please. <laughs> um, so, he, but uh, and, and I don't think he's a sociopath. But I think, similar to Kamala Harris, I think he's a rising star. That when he is um, when he is getting long form interviews on a national stage and some and some grilling, he's going to do very poorly. Oh yeah, I agree completely. He the gauntlet he's run through in California is like a gauntlet of feathers and pillows. I mean, it's the the softest rise you can conceivably have in American politics is if you are the anointed one. See Kamala Harris, see Gavin Newsom in a one party state. I mean, there isn't once you're past like mid level, there isn't even a meaningful primary because the party elders and the union bosses they don't want their their golden boy or golden girl to be damaged. So you just get whisked along in a way that you know if you have higher political ambitions, like Gavin clearly does, that doesn't serve you at all to be completely unbattle tested. He's soft as can be, and I hope he runs for president because he'll get exposed in 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 short fashion. As I said before, he'll make Rick Perry look like. Ronald Reagan. He's an imbecile. He's a sociopath. That's pretty funny. Oh, one more Gavi story, if you'll forgive us uh, around the nation, although this lunkhead will be running for your president. Uh, there's a, an interesting opinion piece that ran in all places of Yahoo, uh, Yahoo News. Um, about three years ago, Gavi joined LeBron James and others to sign California's historic Fair Pay to Play Act, which enshrined the idea that college players have the right to their image, likeness, and name for selling T-shirts and the rest of it. And the colleges don't. And, you know, honestly, I've always thought that that was pretty sensible. Um, But... They point out that Newsom was more than happy to tell the truth about college sports. In fact, he seemed downright giddy. The jig's up, he said in 2019. Billions and billions of dollars goes to these universities, a billion-plus revenue to the NCAA, and the folks who are putting their lives on the line, they're getting nothing. Well, you know, there's some truth to that. Sure, absolutely. Um, And then uh, one of the people on hand, a friend of LeBron James, asked the governor, who are the bill's biggest opponents? School presidents. Newsom said, they don't even outsource the phone calls. What the hell are you doing destroying college sports? You're destroying the purity of amateurism. Not once did they talk about the needs of these kids. And so he said, school presidents are calling me to beg me, don't do this, because it's going to so reorder the college sports world. And the reason this piece was written is that now that UCLA has said the finances don't work in the Pac-12 anymore, we can't stay here, we're going to join the Big Ten. Gavin's like, yeah, how can you do that? You can't do that. That's, that's outrageous. You got no reason to do that. And the very people who told him we're going to have to reorder the, camp, the, the conferences and, and totally change our financing 
are now saying that. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I think what it's a pretty good going point. On? And it, it might still be the right thing, because sometimes the right thing causes oh, yeah. chaos for a while, oh, yeah, like yeah. free agency in baseball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I liked professional sports before free agency, but it was incredibly unfair and un-American. Um, uh, so the makes... Im- imbecile and sociopath failed to recognize the relationship. If you miss an hour of this show, you can find it all the time, wherever you get podcasts. It's called Armstrong and Getty On Demand. There's some good hours in there. Trust us. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.